Hi, this is Casey Treat. I'm pastor at Christian Faith, and we are excited to have you with us on our podcast. Thanks for joining in. I'm praying that you're gonna hear a word that will inspire you, empower you to connect with Jesus and become more like Him. That's what we live for. That's what's happening on today's podcast. Hey, thanks for being in church today. Thanks to all the Mill Creek family up there. And for those who are watching online, we're glad you jumped online with us. This is our Legacy Weekend, and uh, almost three months now, we've been talking about what are we living for and what are we dying for? What kind of legacy will we leave? So in just a few weeks, it will be 43 years for Christian faith and 45 years for Wendy and I being partners, co-pastors, working together. <clears throat> hey, you know, they say if you can work with your wife, um, then that's uh, something special. So, uh, yeah, we've been working together for 40 five years married and 43 years in our church. And one of the things that we always want at Christian Faith, we want you to feel that presence of women in leadership, hear the voice of women in leadership, know that God made male and female. He blessed both of them. He gave both of them dominion. He told both men and women to go out and subdue the earth. So, Wendy's been my partner in subduing our world, and she has a word for us today. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Hey, I know there are some people online too that are, are members because, of course, the devil wanted to have a little bit of snow only noticed in the federal way. I even looked at, the, not Tacoma, not in Mill Creek, just right here, people. That if that's not demonic, I don't know what, what you would call it. That's not, I don't know what right. kids are playing, but tell your kids to stop it, okay? <laughs> but we overcome in all situations. You know, God is always bigger than the challenges that we have faced for years after years after years. I was sharing with uh, the Mill Creek Dream Team party. No, no, no. It was a federal Mill Creek party that we had this week, which was such a good week of celebrating our Dream Team. But when Casey and I drove one Wednesday night, one of the first Wednesday night to Bible study in our, we call it our God's little car, because <laughs> it had to be God's little car in order to work. Do, do you understand my, my uh, understanding of that? Like, we'd pray all the time when we were driving that little car, and, um, but we drove to the Bible study on Wednesday night, and it was snowing, and um, Casey taught me, and other than that, there was nobody else in the room, praise the Lord. So we have moved past that. Thank you very much, church family, hey? You are looking good at your, uh, uh, in, our, in our, what we're doing for God. You know, legacy is such an important part of life. It says, this, it means this, legacy, I literally looked it up in, in the dictionary. It says, a gift by will, okay, a gift by will, especially of money or a personal property. So today we're talking about the legacy of giving and by will, by your choice, because you want to, because you are on mission, because you love God, because you love humanity, because you see the purpose and the call of, like, I want to live bigger than just I'm born, I die. 
You know, there's nothing else in life. You know, I'm born, I die. No, no, you're born for such a time as this. You are called for such a time as this. Amen? Come on. I know that, I know we've got some, come on, amens in the room, amens online, and come on and amens in Mill Creek that God has called us for such a time that we live in a place that God has called us to, that he has said, go and make a difference. Go and help people's lives be changed. Marriages have, have the, the devil doesn't like people to be married and have that covenant. And yet through Christian faith and through God's word going into people's lives, marriages have been restored. Marriage has been saved. People have gotten married that didn't even think they could get married and have had marriages that have been wonderful. Having children, raising them up to honor and to worship God. I, the other last Sunday when I was walking through the foyer and I was just standing there and I watched one of our members son walking through the foyer with his son you know and I was I was with her I mean I was around when she had him and he was that age and I went that is that is so God that is so beautiful to look what the Lord has done you know Casey always teases I'm from Wenatchee but basically my family moved all of my life and I graduated in Wenatchee so I don't I didn't have any I didn't know people for any long length of time until church and this is such a beautiful thing to see people's lives change and lives grow when we started uh, when we were first um, going out in 1979 to 1980 it was New Year's Eve New Year's Eve, and we had already, our pastor and the elders of our church had said, yep, you're going, (coughs) excuse me, you're going, it's going to be great, you know, we're going to pray for you and send you with nothing, mind you, you know, we had nothing. (coughs) So, so we go out, but, but as they were praying over us, a beautiful prophetic woman came up to us and she said, I have a word that I want to share with you that I believe the Lord has given to you. And she said, which we did not at all understand. We're 21 and we're 23. We're going out to do something that we have no idea really what is to come. You know, we're like just jumping off the high dive and just going for what God has called us to do. So she said, God has told me this. She goes, you are going to have more people than you even have imagined. And I remember I laughed thinking, oh, she doesn't know. I've imagined big. I'm thinking 500 people. I'm, you know, and, and God probably, as I'm laughing, he laughs. And he goes, oh my gosh, come on, Wendy, come on, up your game. I got, I got some, I have things for y'all to do to make a difference in the Northwest. And 500 is not the number. Go ahead, move it, move it. And so, but then she said this, and this is the word that, to me, when I look around at Christian faith, I, I just, I, it just makes my heart so happy. She said, she goes, people will come to Christian faith from all over the state. They will come from all over America and they will come from all over the world. And I look at you and you've come from all over the state. You've come from all over America and you have come from all over the world. And that's what Christian faith is made up of. Wow. That is, not you, some of y'all don't realize that, what a miracle, because that was never heard of. That was, that did not happen. There was nothing, there was no example of that. Nothing had happened like that. And yet God wanted us to lift up our vision. And I thought, 
So what is he to do now? Because he, his word teaches us that he does exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So what I see is I'm like, look what the Lord has done. I'm not laughing anymore. I see what God is doing. And all I see is what is our future? Because if he has brought us from all over the globe, he has a dream and a goal for us to get to. And I'm like, I'm like, let's do it. Let's continue on. Let's see what God has done. Let's see the legacy that we can build, the lives that can be restored. That 99 people got born again last Sunday at Christian Faith. 99 people from death to life. Let's continue to do that and let's do more. Let's do more. Amen. I'm so excited. Amen. Yay. Thanks, Wen. Over these past weeks, we've been giving you our kingdom legacy brochures and asking you to pray, asking you to just ask the Lord, what, what do you want me to do as part of the legacy in our church? And of course, we have some specific areas where we want vision. We, we want our faith. We want our giving to be going to. One is building new campuses. And we've tried through the years. We've started other campuses and Things changed at pandemic. Some things changed for various reasons. But we're still on that march to add to the Federal Way, the Mill Creek, and the next campus, Eastside Campus, Tacoma, Olympia, wherever the Lord is directing us, where we have properties, where we have families. I can't tell you how many properties, churches, buildings I've looked at or people that I've talked to about that and you know what? God's going to bring it at the right time, and we'll have the finances. Maybe what the Lord is waiting for is us to get the finances to be able to handle it. And the staff members, we need dream team. A lot of you are like, well, I don't, you don't even need dream team. Look at all these people helping. Yeah, but what about the next campus? We need dream team ushers, worship leaders, children's leaders, greeters, every part of church life. So... Maybe you're the one slowing down the next campus. <laughs> but we're on our way, and we're going to grow those new churches around our state. And then, of course, caring for our children, having children's church that's cool, that's, uh, that's life-giving, that's attractive. The kids aren't saying, thank God, no church today, but rather they're saying, Mom, Dad, we have to go to church. They have, they have hot chocolate, <laughs> and they have pajamas and pancakes. Is that next week's coming up in the next couple of weeks? I always go get some pancakes when the kids are doing that. But not just that. They're teaching the Word. They're praying. They're growing their faith. They're growing their relationship with God. And then, of course, our missions for here and around the world, uh, our missions to the poor, to the homeless, to foster care, to abused women. And our goal is that every group, every ministry in our communities, Federal Way, Mill Creek, and elsewhere around the Northwest, they say Christian faith is their number one giver. That's our goal. So every week we're sowing or every month we're giving into those ministries. And I hope that you remember that because when people say, well, what do you do? For the poor, you should say, hey, our church 
is the number one giver in our community, and we're giving to all of the outreach services of our community, food, clothing, whatever it is that we can do. But not just those local missions, we're, we're giving to missions around the world. ARC is starting over a thousand churches now. We're a part of the ARC Ministries, the Association of Related Churches, and also Open Door, another one of the missions that we support. And I'm holding here the World Watch list for 2022 from Open Door. And they just deal with all the major issues of persecution and anti Christian battles around the world. They give the top 50 persecuted nations, so nations where it's a struggle to be a Christian. You know, sometimes we whine about our life, but if you read about the persecuted nations and what Christians actually go through around the world, maybe it's not so bad here, right? Uh, some people are saying, I'm moving out of the Northwest because it's too ungodly. You want to know about ungodly? Yeah, read, read the watch list. And we're a part of getting Bibles into these. Do you know the top 10 nations for anti-Christian government persecuting the church today? This is, we're talking about today. Here's the top 10. Afghanistan, North Korea, Somalia, Libya, Yemen, Eritrea, Nigeria, Pakistan, Iran, and India. In these places, doing what we do can get you arrested or even killed. So we're part of that ministry, and they're getting Bibles in, and they don't even tell us how they do it. They just get Bibles in. They get pastors and ministers in. They, they're in there touching those nations and making a difference in the lives of people. But also, our board member, David Curry, the president of Open Doors, has now been given a diplomatic passport, and he's part of going to the state departments and challenging them about the persecuted church. So from top to bottom, from the poorest to the governments, our church is connected and apart and praying and, and making a difference throughout our world. So I say, thank you, Christian faith. Way to go. Let's keep it going. Amen? Let's keep it going. And that's what our legacy is all about. Um, you've heard me say it. You're going to die. I'm going to die. One thing you know for sure you will meet the Lord in your lifetime. And when you stand before the Lord, what your life meant, what you lived for, will be made clear. I'm not sure how the Lord does that, but you will meet the Lord at the end of your lifetime, and how you lived your life will be manifested. And the Bible said some will receive reward for the gold, silver, and precious stones that they sent on ahead. Some will be saved, but they will suffer loss. In other words, wood, hay, and stubble will be burned up. That's the person who lived for self, lived for flesh, lived for me. It's about me and mine. It's about when do I get what I want, about my retirement, it's about my stuff. It's just going up in smoke. All of that 
does not continue on in the kingdom of heaven. But those of us that have lived for the Lord and, and tried to make God a priority in our life, then the Bible calls it gold, silver, and precious stones. And when it's tried in the fire, it will last. And so at the judgment seat of Christ, you will see how you lived your life. I feel sad for people who live for self, live for flesh. It's always about me. It's always about mine. It's always about what I need and what I want. There's, there's going to be a day when even those Christians who say, I should have lifted up my eyes. I should have realized that God could have done more than just take care of me, my retirement and my bills and my needs and my wants, should have lived a little bigger and lived for legacy. And that's what we want as Christian people, as a church family. We just want to lift up our eyes and live to give, live for what God could do in our lives. And we're not asking you to not have visions and dreams for you and your family and whatever it may be. But beyond that, above that, a vision for legacy and what God could do in your life. So I want to start in a story found in 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17. And, and I'll begin with this question. How do you know if the Lord is first in your life, right? You have your list of priorities, me, my wife, my kids, my house, my car, my insurance. You got a list. Everybody does, whether you've ever written it down or not, you have a list. My gambling money for NFL football, my new TV, my couch, you got a list. Where's God on your list? How do you know if he's number one? Who's first? How do you know who's first? Well, let's try to think up some, some, some things that would say God is first. If you have a Christian bumper sticker, does that prove that God is first place in your life? I mean, I would kind of question that one because I've been flipped off by people whose car was saved, but I'm not sure if they are saved. You know what I'm saying? They're like, yeah, out of my way, crazy driver. I'm like, dude, you got a cross on your car. You can't do that. The Bible does give us a way to show that God is first. The other night, Wendy and I had a fun experience. We went to a restaurant, and uh, the, the, it was pretty busy. And, and so they said, well, could you seat in the bar? Not at the bar, but in the bar area, and you have a full dinner menu there. Now, in my younger years, I would not have stepped foot in there because I'd be like, nope, can't go to the bar because some, a bad spirit might get on me. But now I'm like, sure, let's go to the bar. Not that we drink, we don't, but we were there for dinner. So we sit down, right next to us, this really tight, tight 
quarters. So four other old people sat next to us. Old people, you know, like in their 60s. They're like <laughs> old people. And so we both look at the menus, and then Wendy and I order, and, and then they order, and then they bring our food. So I pray. And I pray like this, Lord, thank you for our food, our family, Jesus' name, amen. And then their food came, and they all bowed their head in prayer, and this one old guy started to pray. And he was like, Father, we want to thank you for blessing our lives. We want to thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your hand upon our life. We thank you, Lord, for our marriages, for our children, for all that you are doing. And he's just praying. He's going on and on. I don't know how long it was, but a couple minutes. And my prayer was like 10 seconds. His prayer was better. So I said to Wendy, man, that makes my prayer so weak. So is that proof that God is not first place in my life? Because I think he's definitely more, he's up the list in that guy's life. He prayed a lot better than I. What if you never pray? What if you never thank God for your food? What if you're ashamed to pray over your food because you think somebody might be watching? Because, you know, you're praying in the bar. I mean, come on. How do you know God is first place in your life. Well, let's read this story and see what it says. First Kings 17 and verse eight. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This is Elijah. And Elijah, at the beginning of this chapter, had prayed for a famine in the land, and it hadn't rained for months, and he was living by a brook, and they couldn't find food, but the raven would fly in food to Elijah every day. So that's a pretty amazing story. I mean, the raven is bringing him, like, happy meals or something. It's like the original Uber Eats you know, I mean, it's delivery service from the Lord. I wonder if he could change his order every now and then. It's like, Lord, every day, it's the same old lamb. I mean, more and more lamb. Could we get some burgers this week? I don't know, but God was flying in his food with a raven. Then the brook dried up. It was a drought, no water, and the raven stopped coming. Hey, change happens, guys. Change happens. We don't get scared. We don't get nervous. We don't get angry. Some people complain, it's not the way it used to be. Thank the Lord. Change is good. So the Lord speaks to Elijah, and look what he said in verse 9. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, I wonder if Elijah stopped the Lord and he said, wait, Lord, a widow? Because a widow in that day would signify a poor, single woman, probably with children, but no husband. You have a widow to take care of me? I mean, can't you get a rich guy to take care of me? Like somebody with a big house and lots of food? No, a widow. Why? Because God's always looking for a way to multiply his blessing, multiply his provision. I'm going to take care of you, Elijah, while we take care of this widow 
and her child. So Elijah goes down to Zarephath, and uh, he came to the gate of the city, and indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her, and he said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Now here's test number one. God sends him to help this widow, but the test is will you give? Bring me a little water in a cup. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Another test. Okay, you give the water. Will you give some bread? A famine's going on. Elijah knows there's a famine. He's been living off of God's provision. So she said, verse 12, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin, a little oil in a jar, and I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go eat it, uh, prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Okay, so this widow recognized the man of God. She had some knowledge of God, but she'd lost her hope. She'd lost her face. She was ready to get, die. She'd given up. Many people are in that condition today. I'm leaving the Northwest. It's too ungodly. They gave up that they could be light in the darkness. I got to go somewhere where someone will take care of me. I, 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 I'm giving up. I'm out. Sometimes people give up in their giving or give up in their praying Maybe you find yourself in that spot where you've lost your faith, you've lost your confidence, you've, you're, you're not sure that God could really take care of you. She said, we're going to make the last bit of bread, we got some flour and some oil, and we're going to eat it and die. Maybe you're in that spot where the price of gas and the taxes and the government and the circumstances of our world have caused you to give up on God and prayer and giving and faith and what your legacy is. We hear a lot of chatter about how bad it is and how much people are, are struggling and how Christianity is going down and how it's all. Yeah, well, we, we haven't heard that story here at Christian Faith because we're seeing dozens saved every week and church growing and lives change and miracles happening, but maybe you don't see it because you're just ready to eat your last cake and die. Well, the prophet said to her in verse 13, do not fear. Do not fear. Fear brings you what you don't want. Well, I was afraid that was going to happen. Of course you were. It happened because of your fear. Fear produces what you don't want. Faith produces what you do want. Faith in God brings provision from God. Fear of your world brings more negativity from your world. Fear is attracting things, and faith is attracting things. Fear attracts what you don't want. Faith attracts what you do want. Which one's running your life? 
Well, Pastor, I've been trying, but you know, it's scary out there. Well, it depends on where you're looking. Depends on who you're listening to. You listen to CNN, constant negative news? Or do you read your Bible? The word of the Lord came. Well, the prophet said, do not fear. Go do as you have said, but make me a small cake first. There you go. Who's first? Make me a small cake first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself. Now, she'd already said, I only have a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. I'm going to make one last cupcake, and we're going to die. But the prophet said, make me a cake first, and then make some for yourself. Now, what would you have done in that situation? Were you going to be like, well, that prophet ain't going to get my last cupcake. No way, I'm out of here. I'm going to eat my cupcake and die. How do you know if God is first in your life? Yeah, but pastor, I mean, get real because you know the news and, and you know the governor and, and the pandemic and, and the economy and the gas and, and the, 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 the president and, and the Senate and the how. Haven't you heard? No, what I heard was put God first and then you'll have more than enough. What are you listening to? What are you listening? Who do you listen to? Who's guiding your life? Who's, who's in charge of your life? Well, Pastor, I need, I need some money to retire. Well, if you're talking that way, you probably won't need any retirement. You're going to die pretty quick. I know people who spent years worrying about having enough to retire, but they never got there because they died of a heart attack. Their fear killed them. Don't worry about having retirement. If you're scared, you're going to die anyway. Okay, I don't mean to get harsh, but you get the point. If we're trusting God, he's going to bring. He's going to provide. He's going to make a way. We're always going to have more than enough. When Wendy and I became pastors of Christian faith, now remember, nobody supported us. Our church prayed for us. They gave us nothing. Pastor said, God bless you, and see you, wouldn't want to be you. We started with nothing. We rented a little school for a couple hundred dollars a month, and we had a few people that came to church, and, and it you know, takes a while for people to believe that you're even going to be there next month, so no one was giving, and we were just, Wendy worked at Penny's selling shoes. I worked at the drug rehab center trying to counsel with kids. And we just were excited about what the Lord was doing. And people would say to us, you're going to be poor your whole life. You're never even going to be able to afford to have your own children. You're going to be in this little old church and it's just going to be poor and you're going to struggle. We said, no, no, God, God sent us. God's got us. God's going to provide for us. God's going to take care of us. Well, you know, now those same people are poor, old, lonely, miserable, and Wendy and I are still here, still doing good, traveling the world, God doing more with our lives than we ever thought possible. So who do you think will do better, the one who puts God first 
or the one who is scared and trying to hang on for their future. You see what I'm saying? You will always rise higher, have more, live better if you put God first. If you let your fears and your worries and the world around you run your life, you're going to get sick and die anyway. You're going to miss out on what God has for you. So let's trust him. Let's believe him. Let's rise up. You'll, God will always take you farther than you can take yourself. Come on, somebody. God will always take you farther than you can take yourself. Online friends, Mill Creek friends, it's true. God's trying to get you beyond what you could ever do for yourself. God's trying to lift you beyond what you could ever do in your own life. So the prophet said, don't fear. Make me a small cake first. The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away, and she did according to the word of the prophet. And she and he and her household ate for many days. I wonder how many was in her household. The Bible doesn't tell us. But because she trusted God's word, everybody around her got blessed. Everybody around her was taken care of. Come on, Dad. Your whole family will feel it if you will trust God. Come on, Mom. Your whole family will feel it if you will trust God. And maybe Wendy said it, but you know, sometimes she's the one encouraging me. We're going to trust God. We're going to be all right. And sometimes I'm the one encouraging her. We're going to trust God and it's going to work out. But mom and dad together, you're going to see your family blessed. Your whole household will be blessed. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap right there. That's a great promise from God. The oil did not dry up. The flour was not used up. And they lived for many days. And all their household was taken care of. When, when God is first, when he's more important than your retirement, your vacation, house, car, insurance, everything else, you will always rise to a higher level than if you put God way down the list somewhere. Lord, I'm going to get to you as soon as I save my money for my vacation to Hawaii. Oh, yeah, Lord, I got you as soon as I put some money away for my new car. I got to pay off the Nordstrom card, been doing a little shopping. Oh, yeah, Lord, you're, you're coming, Lord. Right after I put some money away for my new furniture, like one brother said, my Italian furnitures. Inside joke, I guess. <laughs> but it's easy to move God down your list, right? Yep. You know, it's a funny thing. When you buy a house or you buy a car, you, if you take out a loan, they give you the money for the car plus interest. <clears throat> and you're glad to get it. 
you thank them for that loan. Now, the day you drive that car off the lot, it lost about 30% of its value, 20 to, depending on what car it is, 20 to 30%. So let's say you borrowed $20,000 for the car. You drive off the lot, now it's worth 15000 A year or two later, it's worth 10000 But you're still paying on the 20000 And you pay for longer than that car's going to make it. Now you're paying for a car that's not even worth what you owe. That's called you upside down, bruh. It's happened to all of us. But remember, you thanked them for that loan. I got approved. Thank you. Thank you for making me pay for something I can't afford. Thank you for making me pay more than it's ever going to be worth again. Thank you for taking my money. <laughs> now, here we are at church. We're talking about putting God first, and you're like, oh, back up, pastor. Back up. You're trying to get my money? I didn't come to church for no pastor to get my money. It's an interesting thing. You'll thank the car dealer for ripping you off and charging you interest, but you upset with me because I said, let's put God first. The fact is, God will always take you farther. You'll never be sad that you obeyed the Lord. You're going to buy a lot of stuff through your lifetime, and you're going to think, eh, maybe I shouldn't have spent that money. Probably really wasn't worth it. But we get deceived by money. We get deceived by stuff. We get deceived by our world. You know what's happening now in our culture is gambling. Football, fantasy football was cool. Fantasy football was just a preparation for online gambling. NFL's in it, baseball's in it, basketball's in it, and many of you are in it. And you can't tithe, but you got money for some online gambling. Here in the Northwest, we have our casinos. We've had church members who spent more than the mortgage on their house at the casino, the Emerald Queen. Let's go to the Queen. We're going to the Queen. Mm, yeah, Christian people. Now, how is it that you could gamble money but not put God first? How does that work? You're tripping, bro. You're tripping. You've never decided, I'm going to put God first. Now, I'm not even saying gambling is evil or sinful, but when your money is upside down and your family's needs and God is not number one in your life, that's just an added curse that's going to drown you, right? So you get stuck in these cycles of poverty, and you think it's because of the world around you. No, it's because of you. You're stuck in a cycle of poverty because you won't put God first and follow God's plan with your finances so he can bless and prosper your life. God will bring more to you than you will ever bring for yourself if you put God first. Look at me at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, the Bible says, don't worry, verse 31, don't worry 
saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles or the world seeks after. Your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. How do you get things added to you that don't cost you more than they're worth? How do you get the house, the car, the clothing, whatever it is, added to you? All the things the world is seeking after. How do you get them added to you without being in debt and struggling with poverty? Ah, simple. Seek first the kingdom. Obey God first. Follow God first. Live for God first. Do what God says first before you do what the casino said, what the online gambler said, what the TV guy said, what the news media said. Put God first. And he'll add all these things. That's the crazy thing. The Lord's not asking you to give it up. He's just asking you to put him first. It's an amazing thing to me that some people are like, oh, I ain't going to that church. They're trying to get my money. No, we're not. We're trying to add all these things to you. We're not trying to get, hey, by the way, if I was waiting for your money, I'd have died a long time ago. I would have starved to death. I had this friend, a great ministry friend named Lester Summerall. Tells a funny story. He was a young minister. He was going to China to preach the gospel. And before he got on the boat, the pastor asked him, how much money do you have for this journey, this missionary journey to China? This was back in the 50s, right? So I was five years old. And, 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 and Brother Summerall said, well, I got no money. I'm just going because the Lord told me. I obey the Lord. I put God first. Well, this pastor was kind of offended. Oh, you're just going to put God first. Oh, you just trust in God. You're going to go over there and struggle. Dr. Summerall said, no, nah, we'll be fine. We're going with God. God's leading every step of this journey. Well, the pastor said, you know, you think you're so cool. You're going to go over there and you're going to die. I mean, with friends like that, who needs the devil, right? So Lester Summerall said to the man, to the pastor, he said, if I die in China, would you send over a grave marker and put on it, here lies Lester Summerall. He died trusting God. Well, the pastor said, no, I'm not going to send that over. And Brother Summerall said, and I won't need it either. Well, that missionary journey started many churches and became the beginning of a, of a ministry that went for centuries, uh, for decades, not centuries, for decades, and is still influencing many lives today. See, many people don't see what you see. They think, oh, well, if you give money to God, you're going to struggle. The fact is, he will add to your life. You'll never have less. The reason you're afraid to tithe is because you don't see what God's trying to do. The reason you're afraid to give your offering is because you can't see what God's trying to do. If you could ever see the scripture, the promise, the prophet, see through the eyes of faith, see through the stories and the testimonies of people like Wendy and I, God's trying to bring you more. He's not trying to give you less. 
He's not trying to keep your kids out of college. He's trying to pay it so you don't have to borrow it and make them pay for college for years to come, which, by the way, now we figured out didn't really help in their education anyway. So let's trust God. Let's put God first. Let's realize legacy is only adding to what God could do in our lives. Before we go today, I'm asking you to give something special. And I'm praying that it's beyond anything you've ever done. Because we got to bust out of our routines, bust out of our, our limitations, bust out of our small thinking and, and the way we're just kind of surviving. Many of us need to really take that step of faith and say, all right, Lord, I'm giving you my last cupcake. Okay, Lord, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. And we need to give something beyond what we've ever given. For some, maybe that's $100. For others, that's $1,000. Somebody, that's $10,000 or $50,000 or $100,000. I don't know you and your financial situation. I know many of our legacy givers, our lead legacy people, they've already called me and they're going beyond. So it's very exciting for me to know what could happen in our church. But I want you to be a part of it. And remember, we're not waiting for you like we're going to die if you don't give. No. You need to be that widow woman and receive the miracle of God in your life. You need to be the one that says, God, I'm going to leave a legacy. I'm going to live bigger. I'm going to go beyond where I've been. I'm, I'm tired of getting by. I'm ready to rise up to a new level of prosperity, to a new level of blessing. You know the promise. When you bring your tithe and offering, he will open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing. There won't be room to contain it. Let's trust God for that right now. Ushers are going to hand the envelopes down each row, and I'd like everybody just take an envelope. Maybe you don't normally use envelopes, but just take one. And just, we're going to pray and hold that envelope while you pray. And let's all do what the Lord tells us to do. I don't know what he's going to say to you. Wendy and I want to obey God and what he says to us. We're part of this family. We give just like, like you do. We're trusting just like you are. So just get that envelope in your hand and then we're going to pray. Online friends, come on, don't just watch. This is not a spectator sport. We're all in this together. You can get in on this blessing with us. Mill Creek family, you ready? Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining with us today. I'm praying that you heard something that will impact your life. If you'd like more information, connect with us at the Christian Faith Church app or go to the website at christianfaith.us.